0: to after pulse the extra podcast from the hosts of community pulse and now here's mary Thangball, jason hand and pj Haggerty. <clears throat> yeah i was I'm learning just, terms. I was nervous this was a big topic to take solo um yeah,
1: yeah excellent job jason i think, I feel think. like first yeah. and foremost like wow hey, excellent job
0: thank you it was fun and and mostly because our guests were fun with uh tessa justin and karina And, uh, we've had actually Karina on the show before, right? Does anyone Mm -hmm. remember what the topic was? Uh, It was DevRel for the win. Right.
1: That was also my first episode as well. I was not, I was not a host. I was merely a guest back in those days. true. true.
0: So what was, what was the first thing that came to mind as you were listening, either one of you, as you were listening through this, uh, first of all, uh, no, I'll wait. But I have something else to interject with after that, but go ahead.
1: Okay. (laughs) I think one of the one of the more interesting points that was brought up is uh, kind of when Tessa was going through the issue that she had with a community member mm-hmm. about how um, in in tech and especially as organizers of, of events we hold these codes of conduct to be very serious and very binding mm-hmm. whereas in reality in a court of law they oftentimes do not find them legally binding mm-hmm. uh, since there's no signature there's no you know, a lot of times it's a passive agreement where we say, "Oh, well, you bought a ticket; you've agreed to this." It's it's in some ways the same way that people can kind of get out of a, a end user licensing agreement by saying, "Well, mm-hmm. I had no choice if I wanted to use the software; I had to sign this. I was forced under duress to agree to this. I do not, in fact, agree to this." Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't I don't think that was her case, but I'm taking it in another direction. But I think that that's the the thing is people get so up in arms on both sides of that because a if someone is harassed there should be a legal consequence to that b uh people get really upset because they're like well i don't want to have to legally agree to a code of conduct just to go to an event it's like well if you're not going to be an ass why do you care Hmm. and if you are going to be an ass why are you coming Hmm. um that's well and i think
2: there's two things there right like the one is is something that i think karina said about like it's a contractual it's not contractual legally but it's it's a contract between everyone who's present at the event it's, an right, under- it's a social a
1: social contract mm-hmm. it's a social contract mm-hmm.
2: but then there was something else that came up later on about you know when it turns into a 10 to 20 to 30 page document then you're sitting there going uh like i know that i am not going to violate the code of conduct but on the other hand, if it's 10 to 20 to 30 pages long, how do I know for sure that I'm not gonna accidentally step on something that could be misinterpreted in a certain way that could end my entire career? Like, there's, there's a certain line there when it gets to, well, there's semantics and there's how people interpret things, and unless you're very explicit about what does and doesn't go, then someone could interpret something in a completely different way than I intended for it. And I can't get away with just a, I'm so sorry. That's not how I intended it. I apologize. That's the way it came across kind of a scenario.
0: Right. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, it's something I don't think we stop and think about when we're trying to think through the actual consequences of somebody Mm -hmm. breaking a code of conduct. And also, um, you know, you never want to get law enforcement involved, but like at some point, someone's going to want things to escalate even further if if they don't like the way that the, you know the code of conduct is sort of uh, fulfilling. It's part of the promise, I suppose. But mm-hmm. it's a it's just a, yeah, it's, it it kind of takes the the code of conduct and just the whole later on in the sh- in the show we were talking about how a lot of people and I was I'm definitely one of them you get a point get to a point where your community suddenly um, you, you realize you do need a code of conduct and you suddenly uh, at least for me felt washed over with oh my gosh we just got big or we just got to a point where now we have to like do some of these due diligence things that are really just the right thing to do but uh, may not feel necessary until you get to a certain point
2: mm-hmm. and I
0: think once you get to this point where you need these types of things and and it, I don't know it just all hit you at once and sometimes people don't I don't think respond to that um that sort of overwhelming feeling of my my community is growing up they don't respond all in the same way they don't always respond well right
1: and and part of that is 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 like you're saying it's kind of a maturity issue of you know when you're at a meetup and it's five people and you're all just hanging out i mean it's is it it's barely it is a very tiny community it's barely a large community Mm -hmm. um however when it comes to things growing there's a lot of people who aren't comfortable with that who aren't comfortable with change or with with their community changing in ways. I know that you know, coming up, I, I did a lot of enterprise events, and then I moved over to the Ruby community. That was that was a complete culture change, and even just the small things watching that community grow, where there'd be like you know, it was all twenty somethings. I was easily the oldest person at the in the room, and and I was thirty three, and that being like complete mad. And that was common in many open source and especially programming language conferences and communities where most people were of a certain age. Um, And a lot of those people like that, they were lucky where it was a slow growth. And, you know, now you see there's kids there and people talk about their families and they're together with people. And that's great because that's the maturity that happened. But when I first jumped into it, it was very much like grade school where it was like, it's just a bunch of white guys. And what do we have to worry about? And I'm sure there are people who have left that community because it did get very stern, say, you know, we've got rules, we've got regulations, You need to follow them. You need to behave yourself or you need to leave. Um, And that's some of the cost of maturity. Some people aren't ready to mature and therefore they can't handle having any kind of structure on what it is that they're doing.
2: Well, and I think that was, that was the point at which it got, uh, there was a point that Justin made about like, these are codes of conduct that were expected. It's not like this is a thing unique to the tech industry, right? Like, this exists at the video th- movie theaters, It exists right. at the sporting games, It exists all of these places. And pointing out like, no, this isn't just a thing that's unique to our conferences and we're not just being hard nosed about what is and isn't allowed here. Like, this is how you're expected to act in day-to-day society. Right. That now, I'll, do A lot of things without realizing that probably.
1: Right, and I'll, get, I'll give a great example. When we ran code days this year, uh, there were two codes of conduct. There was the conference code of conduct, which we had naturally, but we were doing it in a library and the library had its own code of conduct about, mm-hmm. you know, noise, where you were allowed to kind of be social and where you shouldn't be, you know, places where, you know, they would prefer adults randomly walking around, not going into, such as like the children's areas where they're doing read-alongs and things like that. The, 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 the event space has to exist whether we're there or not. And therefore, we need to follow mm-hmm. their code of conduct along with our own, you know, specified code of conduct. And mm-hmm. I, I, thought, I felt like that was a really poignant thing. Uh, like you said, when Justin brought it up and he, he said, well, we looked at codes of conduct from AMC theaters. And I thought, now that's a really, you know, not to not to be cliche, that's a really outside the box thought. Like there are codes of conduct that exist. It's not just the geek feminism wiki. Maybe looking at that is actually more beneficial to our communities than than just saying, oh, I've got this thing, copy, paste, done. We're good. We've got to go to conduct.
2: Well, and I think at least making it aware, making people around you aware that like, hey, we pulled from this one, not maybe not even heavily, but even just having it on the website as like, we looked at this in a, while creating ours, mm-hmm. makes people aware of the fact that there are more codes of conduct out there on a regular basis.
1: Right. Like now, and I think crediting, crediting what your source, I mean, it's just like, you know, when you when you write a paper in school and you use different sources, you have a bibliography. So this is where I got this information from. Mm-hmm. Very, I don't think very many communities or events are coming up from scratch with their own codes of conduct at this point in time, and and I'm glad they're not because we don't need to keep reinventing the wheel, right. unless there's something very specific that your community does. Like you know, oh, in the IoT community, we had to add a clause that says don't touch other people's robots and stuff. Okay, reasonable. <laughs> um, But I don't see like, you know, that being too much of an issue anywhere else, but you you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, that's just an addition. That's, that's an amendment, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, As long as the code of conduct is strong and it's clear what needs to happen if, if, if an incident occurs, then I don't think there's anything wrong with using similar things without reinventing the wheel every single time. I had a point there and I can't remember for the life of me what it was.
0: Well, um, if you want, I can pick a different topic.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Here, let's pivot. Wait, can we, can we address the elephant in the room? What's that? Um, and that's the fact that it, I just wanted to be clear on this after pulse that when we planned that partic- this particular episode about codes of conduct, we were not aware of anything going on in any particular communities at Even. the time. Mm-hmm. So that's what yeah. that,
0: that, that little like... Um, halfway through at the beginning where I was like, Oh no, I want to say something, but I'm going to wait. That's what I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Because okay. it was it like the timing was a little just weird. We I could guess.
1: not, have, we could not have planned that. Yeah, aside.
0: But also it kind of makes us look a little opportunistic to jump on this as a, like a hot button topic. But um, truth be told, we, we had this discussion, this whole episode was recorded before um, sort of the news about SQL light and their community's um, code of conduct had come out and, Um, I don't know yeah let's maybe kind of switch gears and talk just about that for a little bit if you want
1: well I think I think it goes along with what we were mentioning earlier about the the maturity level I think that that was uh I mean I'm just gonna I'm gonna get personal here for a minute I felt like that was a really immature
0: thing to do Mm
1: -hmm. like that was childish at best
0: can we maybe for anyone who doesn't know and I'm sure most yeah listening could you just give us a quick what so, the heck, we're talking about
1: so like many like many uh, open source projects and and code communities sqlite decided that they needed a code of conduct and there was some backlash so someone released and i guess it was the it was perpetuated by the community a code of conduct that was offensive um at best it was kind of uh i don't even know how to say this in a polite way but it was like overtly religious in a way that very much made fun of kind of the tenets of Christianity or, or, or evangelistical.
2: Well, so I mean, it was an actual like code of conduct from the Benedictine sect of monks. Like that was a, there's a thing like, yeah.
1: And it was like, even as a joke, as a joke, it it was in bad taste to say that's our code of conduct. Now you're just, you're being jerks. Right. Um, And
2: it's a, I mean, they took, they took, Basically, the most extreme case of like, fine, you want a code of conduct, we'll give you a code of conduct. Let's see how much you like this. Like, it was a right. very uh,
1: malicious like, compliance.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah, and and almost even a like, everyone else is telling us we have to do this. Fine, if we have to do it, just because we have to do it, we're going to do it to the extreme, so that people are going to understand just how ridiculous it is. So it was. Yeah, I think simultaneously, that was. The main yeah, right, felt- and it was simultaneously offensive for several religious sects, but also like and, and non-religious folks. Well,
0: it just felt very right. like condescending. And yes, um, yeah. I mean, let's just sort let's, of- let's,
1: let's let's call it what it is. It was a fuck you. It was a fuck you to everybody.
0: I have conflicting info. I mean, I feel like the <laughs> author of it actually, and I and I don't know. I don't know that person, but I feel like in their mind that was perfectly acceptable code of conduct is is, really? just, is just the information i've i've yeah i've received from out you know people a little bit more into that community that or at least a little bit closer to him is that at least first and I now one i think let's backpedal and say this goes back to the maturity thing and just really not understanding why these are important and then right. being mm-hmm. pressured to make your community have something you don't want can make people just do things that are irrational right everybody mm-hmm. can re- right. that. And I feel like this is this falls into that irrational thing where one, it is condescending, and here, here's your stupid code of conduct. But also, I, I again, I don't know this this man, this person who authored it. But the information I have is that he he comes from a background where where this is a perfectly good code of conduct for all things, and mm-hmm. and that should include his community.
1: Okay, um, we're being arrested. We're being shut down, everyone. Um, I don't know where that. <laughs> siren just came from but i mean even being reasonable i think that this is uh we're getting into some weird stuff now but this is this is why kind of the personal part of your life needs to be divorced from in some ways the community part of your life Mm -hmm. because i mean you know i i know people that that run certain you know code communities and they're like we're anarchists but they still have a code of conduct and the code of conduct is you know take what you want you know and and leave the rest for everybody else that's that's not what they do they're not nihilists their code of conducts are very similar to everyone else's so even if if that personally is is this person's north star that doesn't kind of make it okay to he he, he's he's got to be at least aware enough to know that that's not okay with everybody is what i'm trying to say
0: this is where well, I, mean, I, think, yeah, I mean, agree with you, but I don't, I can't read, you know, none of <laughs> Right. I mean, we don't, know.
1: we yeah. don't, do we really know? Yeah. No,
0: but the point is
1: I can guarantee the three of us did not see that coming. Um, mm-hmm. and, well,
2: and I think it's, I think it's hard. Like, I think it's regardless of his motivation, regardless if he thought it was actually an acceptable code of conduct to put out there, the fact that people are feeling so backed into a corner and going fine. You know what? you're telling me I have to have a code of conduct and that I have to have this in order to have my main contributors still be a part of this or my main speakers still be a part of this, then fine. Table flip. Here's my code of conduct. What Mm -hmm. do you think now? Right? It's a a sign to me that we aren't accurately communicating the purpose of it and aren't accurately communicating the true intents. And it's turned into, in some cases, not in all, but I know that there's some situations where it feels like it's turned into almost a trap of like, here's all of the ways that you can get in trouble. Here's all of the things that that you can do. Here's, you know, if you so much as disagree with someone in the way that they're going about using a particular tool, you're in violation of the Code of Conduct. And it's like, right. well, we can have a conversation about that thing, but then what happens if that person thinks I'm disagreeing with them? Like we're back to what we were talking about at the beginning with the 10 to 20 to 30 page.
1: Right. Right. Document. Right. Yeah. The, it, it's kind of the argument between, you know, trying to foster a, a healthy and, 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 and civil discourse to literal gatekeeping and saying, you know, no, right. because of the way you talk, you can't be here. Exactly. Um, Your
2: tone which, yeah, of voice was wrong. Well, who's, who's determining that? Right. Right. Like, I don't know. It's it gets. I am. I should say this before I go any further. I am in no way against codes of conduct. I actually absolutely, absolutely completely support them. But I can also see the other side of people going. I don't know how to act, and I don't think I'm a problem. But I don't want to be a problem. And now because these things are so dense and so long, and so many people have gotten in trouble because of them, mm-hmm. how how well, do I make a- sure? Hey, Mary. Yes.
0: Do do you remember the very first, um, the very, hi, PJ. How's it going? (laughs) Um, Do you remember the very first uh, community leadership summit that we were at? Yep. And do you remember the open space discussion we had?
2: Yep. About burnout.
0: I feel like I may have broken the code of conduct that day.
2: Yes, but this is one of those exact situations that I'm talking about. Like, yeah, that's that's so, why I'm mentioning it, is
0: that I yeah. came in there with the best of intentions, someone who's just mm-hmm. trying to help. And for right. some context, um, I, uh, we were talking about burnout, which I had a lot of, you know, I thought helpful information about. Um, and it was but, a session
2: that I had proposed and I was leading.
0: Right. And I had mentioned a word, I'm not going to say it, but it turns out to be a trigger word for, for some folks. And uh, I was completely unaware that that would have been the case for this audience, knowing that we were talking about burnout. But nonetheless, I did, um, I did, um, you know, hurt somebody, hurt and affected them. And, and it, um, you know, kind of messed with me. It's still kind of making me feel a little jittery just thinking about it again. But mm-hmm. that was, you know, I think exactly what you're trying to say is people get to a point where like, well, shoot, yeah. what can I even say or talk about? Because I right. might hurt anybody's feelings just by being open and honest and quite honestly, just trying to be helpful.
1: Right, right. right. And that's, that's, that's the toughest part. Um, and I, I think part of that is you know when, when we first started seeing all these COCs, codes of conduct and, and what have you, uh, coming onto the scene, uh, there were some serious allegations that were taking place. And some, some of it was very important to be brought out. Like a lot, a lot of it was, was positive. But, you know, when, when we first started seeing it, people were like, it was like, you know, oh, this so-and-so violated a code of conduct at this particular event. They lost their job and are completely unhirable now what Mm -hmm. like that seems like a little bit much depending on the i mean some situations maybe that is a good thing um others that's going way too far you know if 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 you know it's it's so hard to navigate all of this and Mm -hmm. i think the problem is is we're at a time where people are like oh well i just you know i'm not going to put up with this political correctness and codes of conduct i'm going to do what i want and like oh point of a code of conduct is so you can do what you want without people, as long as it doesn't hurt other people, and without right. other people talking shit to you for doing what you want. Um, we're we. I mean, like I've heard the, we're, we're all adults, we shouldn't need these things. Um, why can't we all just be excellent to each other? And Like, yeah, if we were in, in a utopia, no one would need a code of conduct.
2: Right. And Tech I think is that's, not a utopia. Yes, yes, exactly. And I think that's a big part of where being very clear about, the consequences comes into play, right? Where like, look, we we understand that everyone is approaching this with, or we hope at least that everyone is, is approaching this event with the best of intentions. And it's, you know, innocent until proven guilty kind of situation. But you also want to believe the people who are saying that there are major things that happened. But you've got the aspect also of wanting to make sure that you're assuming the best intent. Like Jason, you did not walk into that open space that day with the intent of triggering people and causing it to be a harder conversation. You walked in with the intent and the hope of being able to help. Right. And so like, there's a, I think there's a big difference between people who come into situations. Sorry, go ahead.
1: I'm sorry. I just, I I also think like, it's, it's clear that, that, and and maybe it's easy because we, we know Jason, but there's a sincerity, like he sincerely feels bad about this. He sincerely okay. apologizes for the situation that he did not intend to create. And I think that's the huge difference is most people who violate a code of conduct are like, ah, cool, screw it, whatever. I don't really care, you know, I'm not gonna apologize to those sons of bees, mm-hmm. whatever. Like they don't feel bad about what they do. They don't feel okay. they did anything wrong. Well, that's a good that's, that's the a difference. Good,
0: that's a good point. What what then if someone is um in breach of a code of conduct and mm-hmm. and um is, a, is an apology enough or do you have to enforce what you said you did so, Well, both I think.
2: Uh, no, I actually completely disagree with that. So yeah. I don't think you can force someone to apologize. Oh, no, 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 I wasn't saying force But I mean, to is that
0: enough? If, 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 you let, no. if someone apology, if, if let's say in my scenario, um, I was given the opportunity to apologize and that person accepted that, could we just move on with our day or do I still need to you know, like leave because that's what was explained in the code of conduct? No, about. and I think
2: that's, I think that's where having an explicit, like, this is, these are the consequences depending on the situation comes into play. And honestly, a lot of times that's up to the organizers of the event and having something in there that says, look, the, the decision will be made by the organizers of the event. And it could be anything up to being expelled from the event and being prohibited from coming back. So like Jason in the situation we're talking about, like an apology and an explanation, I think it would be perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Depending, like, but like that's that's the very low end of the spectrum. You know what I mean? And you can go all the way on up to a lot of other scenarios where that person should never be allowed back into that community. Right. And I mean, the hard we... thing is then making sure that the organizers have been trained in ways to handle those situations because I think more often than not, we as I mean, all three of us have put on conferences. All three of us have have dealt with codes of conduct, and I I bet not through any fault of ours, that we've all three handled situations in different ways, right? Like, but having some sort of standard training that conference organizers have access to or can go through, or conversations that we can have with the team who's responsible for enforcing the code of conduct on site, I think is important, because then, if we can standardize the way that things are handled, then there's no more subjectivity of, well, this is my friend, and I know that they didn't intend it, but they actually did cause real physical, harm. Real mental harm, mm-hmm. but they're my friends. So it's fine. You know? Yeah. And
1: and, and you bring up a good point. You know, I, I, we, I ran a conference once where we had to expel someone for some uh, inappropriate commentary. Uh, you know, I don't want to go too far into it or name names, but that person was basically blackballed by all of the community in the region. Except for one person who is constantly like, oh, he's really sorry, though. He really wants to come back. Can he volunteer for the next event? Can he help organize? It's like, no. Like, I understand the idea of second chances, but that particular thing that he did to be expelled from a conference was so heinous that that doesn't warrant a second chance.
0: Mm-hmm. I,
1: and, and, and your friend telling me that you're sorry is not you telling me that you're sorry. Um, this isn't it, it, like, I hate to say this. It sounds horrible. This isn't a democracy. you got your chance. You set up a COC. You agreed to it. Um, if you violate that, you might never get a chance to go back in. That said, if you have been offensive in the past when there was an COC, and Tessa t- touched on this a bit, if you said things or did things before there was a COC, the, impl- the implementation of that, that code of conduct gives you one more chance. So it's kind of a double-edged sword in that mm-hmm. way. Um, even if you haven't apologized, like now we've said, no, we have something official in place. You have to follow this. And if you don't follow this, you're out. Um, it gives those people who didn't follow those guidelines who may be the reason why there's a code of conduct in the first place. One more chance. Um, I've seen that happen and, and I I don't have specifics, but I want to say 85 to 90% of the time, the person who that was, was geared towards violated it almost immediately. Um, because yeah, I think,
2: there, there again, are certain I think people
1: out there who are never going to understand the constructs or mm-hmm. the concepts of a code of conduct and why it's in place. And I don't like that it's often attributed to something else. Like, oh, they have a mental health issue. They're on the spectrum. No, there, there can't be that many people on the spectrum. There just can't. And you can't use that as an excuse when you constantly violate codes of conduct.
2: Well, and that's what I was going to say. Even even if there are that many people on the spectrum, right? I don't know the statistics around that. Even if there are, they are held to the same standards. And they have to be. As if it's if it's a situation where there's a big group of people, and if they aren't able to maintain that, that set of standards, then unfortunately it's not an event that they're welcome at. Mm-hmm. But again, I think there's also, there's a spectrum of, you know, Violations of said code of conduct, everything from, hey, your tone was misunderstood, to serious, serious harm. And there needs to be some sort of uh, consequences laid out in the code of conduct so that people understand it's not just, A, it's not just a hand slap if something serious happens, and B, that it's not, you know, an all or nothing, you're kicked out of the conference because. You said something unintentional, it was taken the wrong way. And that needs to be there both for the people who are attending so that they know know that they aren't going to be blamed for something that they didn't intend. And also for people who who have had issues happen to them in the past, who understand that this conference is taking this seriously. And it's not just, well, we have to have a code of conduct in place, but we haven't taken enough time to think through the consequences.
0: I agree. Do you you two think that there's, well, let me uh, give you some honest truth. I don't read every single code of conduct uh, that I'm involved with um, from. I don't even read anything. I I make sure that they're there and I may, you know, I give them a quick look to make sure it has the most important things, but I definitely don't Mm -hmm. read them as thoroughly, I think, as maybe we uh, might be advocating for. Yeah. Do you think, um, well, first of all, why is that? And is, is because is because even though each of them can be different, like we understand the core intent, if there is a code of conduct, then we should be set. Or do you think that code of conducts can be on um, a variety of things? And it, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just here, sitting here thinking about how we're, we're talking about code of conducts in the plural as though there are many types and many kinds and many consequences. And for me, I'm, I just like, make sure they have one. And then, right. Um, well, I, th- I think
1: part of it, Part it for us as well. I mean, we do lots of events, not just ourselves throwing the events, but also speaking and and attending and representing people at, at these various events. And they all have various codes of conduct. I think in a way, it's an it's a, it's almost an intellectual exhaustion. Like, yes, I know there's a code of conduct. I have the basic concept. Obviously, there's a code of conduct, or I wouldn't be here. Um, mm-hmm. Therefore, I probably understand the core tenets therein. And I don't need to read the whole thing. If I if I can skim through it and get the gist, if there's anything pops out, cool.
0: But you know, well, for it's the just most one of those part, things where we, we so, feel many like it's of them. so important that it's, like that it's almost like the end user agreement that we all joke nobody ever reads. Nobody reads right. that. But but here we are talking about the importance of codes of conduct, and then it can sometimes get lengthy, and sometimes it's repetitive, and sometimes it's like, yeah, no, no, duh. But you know why? Mm-hmm. Are you? And so I think I'm maybe I'm just like it's well, i noticed that I don't I don't take it as serious as I know it to be, only because because why and that's what well, I'm I think why. I think part of it is um,
1: at least I've seen this trend with a lot of events that I've been doing lately is there's kind of like a short version and like a long legalese version
2: mm-hmm. and
1: I read the short version because a I have the attention span of a fish B because I've got a lot of other codes of conduct that I've already if I read the whole short version and it's like you know a, a printed page let's just say you know 200 300 400 words whatever. If I read that and I'm done with, like, I'm satisfied with that, I'm like, I really don't think I need to dig into the legal aspects of it for the 10 to 15 page version. I get it. I understand what you're, you know, I'm sure there's not, if there's something so wickedly specific, an organizer is going to mention to me, an attendee is going to mention to me long before I could possibly violate it, because it must be something so specific to that community, like, you know, don't touch my robots, that it, 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 it should make sense to me anyway. Um, but also, like, going back, I've, I, I, I'm have i doing 32 events total in 2018. Um, every single one has had a code of conduct. Have I read 32 codes of conduct? Hell no. That's just, like I said, it's intellectually exhausting. It's overly repetitive. I understand the value, but you have to understand the value of the other side of the code of conduct, which is for the organizers to have a mechanism to handle things should they arise. Yeah. Um, we have to understand the rules. They have to enforce them. And that's, I think, the key difference. It's more important that organizers and volunteers understand their code of conduct than a speaker does in my opinion. That's just my. And
2: opinion. also, I'm gonna, because I'm thinking through this as you're talking about it, Jason, that like I haven't read a code of conduct in a while. Like, I know that the conferences that I speak at and participate in have them, but I haven't read one. And I think, I'm going to call privilege on all three of us for some of that. Oh, that, absolutely. Like, I I am a female in the tech industry and I'm still calling privilege on myself that like I've, I have run into situations that are not great and that I would never want repeated. But I also know that I keep an eye out for those types of things. And I know the situations to avoid now and I know what not to get involved in. And I don't know, like.
0: It's also kind of just like, <clears throat> you know, whatever they're serving for lunch, you're gonna have, like, you're already there. So are you gonna read the code of conduct and change your mind? Are you going, you know, like, there's there's not a lot that's really gonna change no matter what that code of conduct says, unless well, there's something blatantly wrong with it. And you're like, no, right. like hard no, I'm not.
2: I right, can't. well, that's the thing. And that's part of the reason why I'm saying, I think, I think all three of us are very privileged in that because I know when we were coming up with the code of conduct for redeploy, I ran it past a couple people and there were a couple, we had put something in there, I had put something in there initially about um, please don't thinking, and I don't, I'm completely paraphrasing and it was phrased better than this, but I was recalling some of the situations where people have taken to Twitter instead of going to the conference organizers to report violations and where you know then it just escalates and it doesn't solve the problem and the conference organizers find out via twitter if they find out at all and it just doesn't it's not good right Right. and so i called something out in the code of conduct about please please come to a staff member or a code of conduct enforcer first instead of and again i'm completely paraphrasing it was phrased better than this but basically come to us instead of going to social media and i ran the code of conduct past a few women in the DevRel slack and they were like, yeah, no, you need to take that out. I was like, I don't understand. Like, I'm trying to just keep things under control and handle it the best way that we can for the individuals who are involved in these issues. And they were like, yeah, it sounds like you're trying to, like, uh, mitigate a PR situation. And I would never speak at an, at an event that had that in their code of conduct. Right. And so there's situations like that where you know, I know that there are people, because of conversations that I've had, who very heavily look at the code of conduct and very heavily weigh the code of conduct when they're invited to speak at an event, let alone when they're submitting CFPs, and go, mm, well, nope, that clause makes me very nervous because it makes me feel like the conference is out to protect themselves instead of their attendees. Right. And I don't want to speak because of that. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting situation. And I'm kind of
0: well, it's calling not, it's,
2: myself a little bit on like, okay, maybe I should pay more attention to the code of conduct going forward. Well,
0: You're it right. You're right. Uh, it has that spin of, you know, who's, who's this benefiting? And it does, I guess, right. give the smell and, and look of protecting the organizers over the attendees. But also I think it's just one of, just like we talked a bit, uh, a little bit about <laughs> is that more you add, uh, to a conduct in terms of like you get into these kinds of details, the more details creates seems to create more confusion around what, what is okay and what isn't. And so that's when people, I think, start to raise their hand at, and at least have concerns, not may, maybe, you know, pushback, but it's like, what do you mean by, you know, taking to social media? Cause like, that's what I'm here to do, you know, is sort of report what's actually taking place here. So yeah, it's, yeah. goes to context, man.
1: Yeah. I feel like we could probably go on and on about this subject for probably another hour or so. Mm-hmm. but i also know that this will this will right now be the longest after pulse episode we've ever had this is yeah the beyond the after pulse we got our third show everybody this is beyond the after pulse <laughs> with three people who are not usually on the pod oh this would be great we'll do beyond the after pulse with just the guests no hosts
2: oh Let's boy see how, we'll
1: see how it goes it's just ember, it's, it's just <laughs> ember at
2: all. he was feeling left out Sorry about
0: that. it's just our dogs <laughs>
2: Uh huh. Uh-huh.
0: That would actually do really well. I think probably if it was a Especially video in, would do well. viral video world. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: But yeah, you're right. This has gone a long post. time. So maybe we ought to um, you know, wrap it up here.
1: Yeah, we will. We will. Uh, I think we'll see everybody next month. Um, I, th- I know we've got a good one planned for next month that actually deals a little bit with uh, social media and such things. It's true. And that will be our <laughs> 30th episode.
2: Milestones, y'all.
1: Yeah, I think we'll all
0: be on that recording too, maybe? I believe so at this point
1: in time. Maybe. Anyway, (laughs) thanks for checking out
0: uh, these After Pulse episodes. Uh, If you are just now new to these, it's just when PJ, Mary, and I get together after a recent recording of one of our Community Pulse, excuse me, after a recent recording of one of our Community Pulse episodes and uh, sort of just talk about the episode and, and some extra thoughts. So anyway, I'm Jason Hand at Jason Hand on Twitter. I am PJ Haggerty at
1: Asplenic on Twitter.
2: I'm Mary Thingwall at Mary underscore Grace on Twitter.
1: And you can find us at Community underscore Pulse on Twitter. And we'll see you next time.
0: This has been another episode of After Pulse with Mary Thingwall at Mary underscore Grace on Twitter. Jason Hand. At Jason Hand on Twitter and PJ Haggerty at Asplenic on Twitter. Learn more at communitypulse.io or at community underscore pulse on Twitter. We'll see you next time.